Welcome to Fear and Greed, the week ahead. I'm Sean Aylmer, and as always, I'm joined by economist Stephen Kukoulis. You'll find him at thekook.com, T-H-E-K-O-U-K.com, and on Twitter using the handle thekook, thekook, i.e. Stephen. Good morning. And a very good morning to you, Sean. You got an over last week, quite the week, really. It was a good week. We had a lot of indicators of the economy coming through. It sort of confirmed confirmed what we knew and what the Reserve Bank had been telling us, that the economy is still growing, but it appears to be coming off the boil. And, you know, I think we've got this situation where, you know, the RBA, with its rate hike to 3.1% for official interest rates, is getting sort of close to ending the rate hiking cycle. So a fascinating week last week, and, you know, we're gearing up for the wind down to the end of the year. I mean, so let's just talk about what did the Reserve Bank say? When I know we have Phil Lowe, the governor of the Reserve Bank, talking this week, but he sort of, again, repeated that they haven't really made a decision about how much more they're going to hike rates. They are going to hike rates more, but they don't know by how much. Depends on data. They've said that they've probably got a bias to hike rates. You know, after we get more information on inflation over coming months, so into the early part of New Year. But they've said that quite often in the past. This is not to have a go at the RBA. They've got a bias to hike, but I think the threshold is getting higher and higher for them to pull the trigger now. So obviously they have January off. They meet in early February, which is coincidentally a week after the December quarter inflation numbers come out. And I guess if they're very high, they might pull the trigger for another 25-point hike. But if we do see signs, and we saw them in the monthly CPI reading for October, so one of the we've got one third of the data, if you like, for the December quarter CPI that was a bit lower than expected. So if we get a, even just an okay result, and the RBA looks globally to see global inflation coming off, commodity prices are down. Everybody have a look at the oil price. It's really come down the last little while. So you're seeing signs that the slowing in the global economy is impacting commodities. That will impact overall inflation with a lag, and that will impact Australia's inflation. So the RBA, like all mere mortals, I think switched to the position where, okay, they've got rates at a neutral to maybe slightly restrictive setting, and they're just going to be watching the numbers now, and the numbers will tell them whether they can pause for a few months or whether they need you know, just one or two more rate hikes in this cycle. Now, of course, we had GDP figures last night, 0.6 for the quarter, 5.9% through to the end of September. But the one I liked last week, which no one talked about and probably we don't care that much anymore, the current account deficit, not surplus. We had our first deficit in about three and a half years. And it's really curious to why that happened. Yeah, the GDP numbers were fine, 0.6. That was on trend. So, you know, I think we can only glance at them. But yes, you're quite right. We ran a current account deficit. And the issue was not our merchandise trade, our goods and services trade, which we're still running, you know, chunky surpluses. It was because of our invisibles or net income balance went negative. And that was because, as far as we can work out from the balance of payments numbers, the foreigners who own large chunks of our mining companies collected absolutely humongous dividends. And those dividends flowed out to the foreign owners of, you know, the big mining companies. And that showed up in a in the current account surplus, switching to a deficit. There you go. So what have we got on this week? I mentioned earlier Phil Lowe, the Reserve Bank Governor, gives a speech. What about data? It's a little quieter, is it? Uh, we've got one one key number. There's a couple of other secondary numbers, but the key number is the labour force release. Oh, of course. We do get the November jobs numbers. And 
well, they've been very strong the last uh, little while. You know, we know that the unemployment rate's at 3.4%, a 48-year low. So that's an incredible result for, well, for Australia and uh, long may it last. However, we do have some tentative signs that demand for Labor's tapering off. The various job ads and job vacancy series from SEEK, from ANZ and others are pointing to a turning point in demand for Labor. Now, you know, we, we again we know there's a lag between you know demand for labour sort of turning and it actually impacting on the hard labour force numbers, but we'll be watching this very very closely to see whether there's any signs of a weakening in the labour market. If there is, that would support the case for rates on hold. And as I was just alluding to, if it's another blockbuster number, it'll you know build the case for the RBA having one more hike in February. And those secondary bits and pieces of information, the NAB business survey, uh, the business seemed fairly confident, though that might have peaked, and then consumer sentiment, which of course is, well, how do you say it, Stephen, in the toilet, I think. Miserable. (laughs) So yes, the two sentiment indicators are out, and they're always hugely interesting to me anyway, because as you quite rightly pointed out, we consumers are feeling absolutely miserable. You know, we're confronting this cost of living pressure. People with a mortgage are confronting, you know, very, very chunky increases in their mortgage repayments as interest rates go up. So consumers are feeling fairly gloomy, notwithstanding the good news on the labour market that we we're just talking about. Whereas business, yeah, they're, they're a lot more upbeat. They've sort of got a positive view on trading conditions, on profitability. Their hiring intentions have tapered off a little bit in the last month or two. So we'll be watching both of those indicators just to see the mood of the nation and whether, you know, we consumers are feeling slightly more optimistic as, you know, petrol prices and lettuce prices drop and, you know, we're getting near that peak in the interest rate hiking cycle. Did you see last week, so, you know, the end of year Google Trends information came out, the fourth most typed in why is at Google, why is lettuce so expensive? There you go. I missed that one. The good news is because I do I do shop for lettuces, and um, mm. they were around about ten dollars at the at the local markets here. They're now down to around about two dollars, which is good news. So they're growing them again. Much better. Are you an Are you an iceberg man, or do you go for those flash other types of lettuces? Oh, I'm a bit more fancy. I like the cos lettuces, the you know the oh, baby cos with a yeah. nice um, uh, red wine vinegar dressing. It's very nice. Ah, oh, very nice, Stephen. Have a good week. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. As economist Stephen Kukulis, better known as The Kook. You can find him at thekook.com and follow him on Twitter. Not surprisingly, using the handle The Kook. I'm Sean Aylmer and this is Fear and Greed, the week ahead. 